I want to start by saying that um, I would say that life is a journey. Would you all agree? Life is a journey and everyone who is born, we all walk this journey out until one day we each reach our own finishing line and cross that finishing line. And for those of us who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it's a great day, it's a great moment. And we arrive in heaven in this incredible home that God has been preparing for us um, for a long, long time. And um, this journey that we're on, this journey that we're on has turns and bends. And I think that the twists and turns that we experience range from being amazing and exciting and scary and terrible. They range from being totally, oh my gosh, what is this? How can I cope with, oh my goodness, can I believe how blessed I am? They range from being disappointed to our expectations being over the top met. And um, it's very incredible how life is sometimes. In um, August last year, Fryma and I, we went on an, a summer holiday. And then um, we had been looking forward to the summer holiday for 12 months. And um, the year before, we had decided that we were not going to go away. We were going to invest into some things. And I'd prayed that we would get to go on a free holiday in Jesus' name. And, um, and God really provided for us. And this pastor from America said, hey, I just really have you on my heart. I want to invite you to come over to L.A. And like Disneyland is in L.A. And I've always wanted to take my kids to Disneyland. Because as a child, I went to Disneyland and the colors and the princesses and the gardens and the big balloons and the fireworks and the parades were all in my mind. And I have three daughters and um, my eldest daughter is like, she's not a child anymore. She turns 13 tomorrow. Like you're looking at the mother of a teenager. I know it's amazing. Actually, while I was in Sydney, um, on two occasions, someone did ask me if Nina Madalena was my daughter. I'm like, I either look really old or she, even lo she looks really young. But anyway, I've shaken that off. <laughs> but um, I really wanted to to take them to Disneyland. And so we went to Disneyland and, and um, we paid the ridiculous amount of money that it cost to get into Disneyland. And one hour in, I got this terrible migraine. And I was like, are you serious? I had this full-on migraine and I just couldn't cope. I couldn't cope with all of the noise. I couldn't cope with all of the colors and the people. And so one hour in, I headed home and Mia came with me. And I was so disappointed. And so I got back to our hotel room and I forced myself to open the Word of God and turned to Psalm 23. And my verse for that day was verse 3, which says, He leads me on the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And as I unpacked that scripture, I found myself talking to God. And I'm like, okay, Lord, apparently you lead me on paths of righteousness for your name's sake. 
so lead me. Because I don't know what to do right now. Because about 20 days out of every month since March earlier that year, I was struggling with migraines. And I was so disappointed and so annoyed that this day that I'd been looking for was ruined. So I'm like, God, lead me. Okay, tell me, what would you do in my situation? Because I'm trying my best to stay stay faith-filled. I'm trying my best to just be bright and joyful and, oh, it's okay, you know, it's just a headache. There's worse things in the world than that and there is. So what would you do? So um, very quickly in my spirit, I felt the Holy Spirit speak some words to me. And they were quite surprising. He said this. He said, Joanna, repent. Repent from being negative. Repent from being stressed. And stop drinking alcohol. (laughs) Right? I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, seriously, poor me. Poor me. Like, surely you've got more words of encouragement than that. Like, shouldn't I be the one who, like, you know, deserves a little bit of comfort and a little bit of, oh, poor you, you know? (laughs) You're doing well, Joanna, but no, repent. Stop being negative, stop being stressed, and um, don't drink alcohol. And I was like, man, really, on holiday? (laughs) Here's the thing, though. Even though it wasn't what I was expecting to hear, I felt immediately loved. I actually laughed out loud. I'm like, seriously, God, you're hilarious. (laughs) Like, only you. I really felt loved, and I really felt like he was leading me to a new pasture. I felt like he was saying, come this way. Timothy Keller, who is a shepherd and also a theologian, said that sheep are creatures of habit. Even if their current pasture ground is beaten down and bare, They won't move onto higher ground unless they are led. They won't move onto higher ground unless they are led. And I think that it was in that moment of correction that I discovered something new about God. I truly discovered that He is my shepherd and He was just prompting me back onto the path. Hey, this way, this way. Don't go down that path of self-pity. Don't go down that path of poor you. He was actually teaching me how to go through the valley of migraines rather than lifting me out. And he was like, you can do this. You can do this. And I'm telling you this to say that God's leadership on these paths of righteousness, it's sometimes different than what we're expecting, but his leadership is amazing. And I did repent from being stressed and negative, and I do have a tendency to carry things a little bit too heavy. I do need to learn to, like, just give things to him more, and maybe that's where some of these symptoms actually came from, from years of being under pressure and years of carrying the weight that I was never intended to carry. And I did you know, not drink alcohol for a full six months and hardly drink at all these days. And um, I went from having painkillers 20 days a month to having them hardly ever at all. Amen? So this is what I want to speak to you about today. It's part three of this series from 
Psalm 23, The Passion of the Shepherd, and the title of the message is In Awe on the Road. In Awe on the Road. And we are on this pilgrimage. And I actually don't think that we are meant to live in frustration as we walk this journey. I actually believe with all of my heart that we are meant to walk this road in awe of his leadership and his goodness and who he is. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his namesake. Okay, so there's so much in this one sentence. I'm like, oh gosh, like what to say, what to cover. There's so much. First of all, we could talk about the path of righteousness. What is that? What is that path of righteousness? Well, simply put, it's the right way. It's God's way. That's the path of righteousness. And people can tend to have a wrong view about God's path. They tend to think that his road is narrow and it's tight and it's uncomfortable. But um, the Bible does talk about the path being narrow. In John 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And humanity tends to have a problem with that. What? Only one way? Only this one tiny way? This Jesus way? Are you serious? Is this the only way to life? Yes, it is. But it's God's way. And although it's narrow, it is not tight. In Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 11 to 13, we can read about how a life with God is about being in a life of wide open spaces. It's not tight. It's narrow, yes, but not tight, not restrictive. A life with God is so expansive and he has got incredible, incredible plans for you and for me. The other thing about God's path is that at first glance, it isn't the easiest to follow. And I guess it can look the less glamorous way. It can look the harder way, the longer way, but we shouldn't be fooled. This life that we live is full of counterfeit paths that look oh so tempting to walk on. But if we're really, really wise, we'll understand that often these counterfeit paths are not God's best for us. Counterfeits, they're easy escape routes off the right way. I was recently reading the book of Jonah. And um, in the book of Jonah, we read about this prophet, and God had a very um, distinct call for him. He was to go to Nineveh and to call the people to repentance there. And in Jonah 1 verse 3, it says, but Jonah ran away to Tarshish to escape from the presence of the Lord and his duty as a prophet. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, the most remote of the Phoenician trading cities. Listen to me. The enemy will always have a ship ready to take you away, far away, the furthest away that you could possibly go off God's path and God's destiny for your life. Don't jump on those ships. It is not a coincidence. Oh, 
all like Jonah just happens to go down and just as he gets there, there's a ship leaving for Tarshish, the one that's furthest away from Nineveh. That wasn't a coincidence. And I want to tell you, church, to really stick to the path because these counterfeits that come, oh my gosh, the enemy's so good at sending them at just the right time. We've got to wise up. From this small verse in Psalm 23, we could totally open up what it means to stay on the path. And Pastor Bobby's just written this incredible book, Stay the Path, and we're going to work on translating it into German in Jesus' name. And it's an incredible leadership book about staying on the path. We could also open up his leadership because it says he leads me. He leads me. So what about this leadership of our shepherd? To lead, it means that he's ahead of me. He's preparing the way. He doesn't drive me. He doesn't push me. He doesn't force me. He's the good shepherd who leads. He goes ahead. He shows the way. In Psalm 37, verse 23 to 24, it says, The steps of a good and righteous man are directed and established by the Lord. And he delights in his way and blesses his path. And when he falls, he will not be hurled down because the Lord is the one who holds his hand and sustains him. So we could talk about so much. But as I meditated on the third verse of Psalm 23, I kept asking myself about this part, for his namesake, for his namesake. Why is this linked to the pathway that I take? He leads me on paths of righteousness for his namesake. So I was like, God, like, is this to do with your reputation? Is that what it means? Is he concerned about Christ followers who don't actually follow and therefore give him a bad reputation? Well, that's not the God I know. God isn't worried about looking bad or impressing anyone and as if, sorry, but as if any of us could make him look good. He makes us look good, not the other way around. But if he was concerned about looking good, then he would have definitely chosen different disciples. I mean, we've got Peter, who was a loudmouth. We've got John, who, no, James, who was nicknamed the son of thunder. He was so bad-tempered. He chose Matthew, who was a tax collector who stole from people, and then we have this king of glory who left heaven to come to earth to be born as a stable. So he can't have been too worried about his reputation about looking good. In Philippians 2 verse 6, it tells us that Jesus Christ, who though he was God, did not demand and cling to his rights as God, but laid aside his mighty power and glory. He laid it aside, taking the disguise of a slave and becoming like men. And he humbled himself even further, going so far as to actually die a criminal's death on a cross. 
So him leading us on the right path for his namesake, it can't be to do with his reputation because he actually also hung out with prostitutes and thieves and sinners. He broke the culture of the day by speaking to women. He touched lepers. He broke all the rules. So he can't have been worried about his reputation in the way that we worry about our reputation. So him leading us on the right path, it can't be about his reputation in the way that we would understand it. And as I continue to think and pray for his name's sake, for his name's sake, he leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This question popped into my spirit. What good is his name if we do not know it, if we do not understand it? The Bible talks about this name. It says that he is the name above all names. It says that we can call on this name. So that when we pray in this name, that God will hear us and answer our prayer. It says that at this name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's a powerful name. But what good is his name unless it is known? And I wonder how powerful this name is to you. I wonder how much of this name you have understood. I wonder if you know the extent of the power of this name in your life. There are at least 270 names in the Bible that describe who God is. 270. And names are really important to God. Like we read how God changed names. So Abraham became Abraham and Sarai became Sarah and Saul became Paul and he changed names to reveal a character change or a destiny that someone had in their life. And then he chose names. He spoke to Mary. He didn't leave Jesus' name up to Mary. No, he chose the name Jesus because it meant and means Savior. So he changed names. He chose names. And from the beginning of time, he has revealed his names to his people. And each one of these names reveals something about his character. And I wonder how well do you know this amazing God who loves to reveal himself? I've heard that our knowledge of God can be compared to our knowledge of the ocean. Most people would say, I know what the ocean is, but really all we know is that it's salty and it's wet. And the ocean is one of the most undiscovered parts of our world. Apparently we know more about the universe than we know about the ocean. And I wonder like how much do we really know about God? Because many of us would say, I know God. But there is so much to discover. This God who created this undiscovered ocean. And how are we going to discover more of him? How are we going to discover more of him? I think the place that you can discover more of who he really is, is on this path 
as He leads you. I've written down here that Him leading us on the right paths is not about His reputation so that we make Him look good. It's all about you discovering new things about how good He actually is. Do you get that? I think too many of us, we live frustrated on this journey. We live frustrated and disappointed about the way that this path curves and bends and goes and dips and then we have to climb mountains and we find ourselves, you know, saying, God, where are you? What the heck's going on here? Well, I truly think that we are called to discover who he is and in the discovering of who he is, we actually can be in awe on this journey. So I wanna say to us tonight, let's press into discovering him. There's been so many times in my life where I have wished, really wished, oh, I wished at the time that my road did not have that bend in it. But looking back, I'm amazed, truly amazed. I've discovered him, number one, as Adonai Avenu. Adonai Avenu, which means the Lord, our Father. It was in October 1999, and um, it was my anniversary with my boyfriend at the time, and I knew that he was going to propose to me on this night. I knew because he'd hidden the ring really badly. And I knew because his celebration plans were ridiculously extravagant. But I'd just given my life to Jesus a few months earlier. And so as the doorbell rang, I just looked in the mirror and put a little bit of lipstick on and all of a sudden realized, ooh, Oh Lord, you're my father now. And when a girl wants to get married, her father's permission should be asked for. Okay, so God, I'm asking for your permission. I would love to marry this guy, but um, if you don't want me to, I won't. But here's the deal. You will have to do something about it because I'm not going to do anything about it because I really want to marry him. And I'm not gonna be strong enough to obey you if you tell me something. So I'm asking for permission, but it's in your hands. So I go out to dinner and we have this beautiful meal, starter, main course, dessert, and still no proposal. So I order coffee and I never drank coffee back then. I'm like, he must be nervous or something. He gets down at one point on one knee, looks at me, and ties up his shoelace. I'm like, what's going on? He drives me home, gives me a kiss, and I go back to my bedroom, and I'm like, wow, like, what was that? Seven o'clock the next morning, he comes around to my house and says, Joanna, I don't know what's happened, but all of my feelings for you have just gone. It was like being at dinner with my sister last night and we've got to finish this. I didn't even remember praying that prayer for months. So I was so confused. I'm like, what the heck? (laughs) New year, 
99, going into 2000, I'm still heartbroken. And I get a phone call saying, hey, Joanna, make sure you don't come for a visit tonight. Because we had a dog, we had a house together. It was that serious. Um, you know, and sometimes I still went, took the dog for a walk. And he says, hey, don't come over tonight because I'm actually having someone over. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> okay, so then I went to church, you know, my big New Year's Eve celebration. I'm at church and I'm literally crying out to God, God, you've got to have something for me because everything that I thought was in my future is all of a sudden gone. And the clock struck 12, it was the year 2000 and a girl walked up to me, Charlotte Dawson, and said, hey, I think you should go to Hillsong College. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I had no idea what it was, but I was going there. I took it as the word of the Lord. And in April, I was there. And the rest is history. But the reason that I'm standing here tonight, married to Frymont, leading this incredible church, and I can't believe I get to do this, is because that I allowed God to be my father and prayed, your will be done in my life. Isaiah 64, 8 says, And yet, O Lord, you are Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter, and we are all formed by your hand. Church, let him be your Father. Let him do the forming and the leading, because on the other side of it, you will go, Oh my gosh, you're amazing. Amen. Number two, I'm going to be late, praise the Lord. Number two, Adonai Rafika, the Lord who heals you. The Lord who heals you. It was spring of 2008, and suddenly I started to lose weight. And within about six weeks, I'd lost 15% of my body weight and I'd become really tired and really pale and I had two young children at the time and I just couldn't keep up with them. And my lymph glands were really swollen and I had something here that was growing and it was, it was quite painful. And so we started to investigate what that could possibly be and the blood tests coming back were not looking positive and the sonogram that they did was not looking so positive and so we decided to do a biopsy and take this lymph gland out. I was at the hospital and they said to Frymont just before they put me to sleep, you can come back in about 50 minutes. It actually doesn't take very long. Two hours later, I was still in theater and when I was eventually woken up and Frymont was with me, the doctor said, I'm so sorry it took so long. We actually don't know what happened. We opened her up and the lymph gland had just disappeared. And so we'd been searching for two hours because we had pictures of it and we, 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 we knew it was there. We felt it before we put it to sleep, but it had gone. Eventually we found something and it looks like something has shriveled up and died. So we took it out and we'll let you know in a week when we get the results back. So I went to the doctors a week later and they told me, yeah, it was my lymph gland, but they could not explain what had happened to it. But it just looked like it had shriveled up and died. And I immediately started to feel better and I put my weight back on and I was in church on Sunday going, what was that? 
Was I like crazy? Like, did that really happen? Was that cancer? And quick as anything in my spirit, God said to me, you do not need to know the name of your sickness. You know my name and my name is Healer. Psalm 30 verse 2 says, Oh Lord my God, I cried to you for help and you restored my health. His name is Healer and that is all I need to know. And I don't know why he hasn't healed my ears yet. And sometimes this thing that I still have, it causes me to have to live differently than I would like to. But his name is Healer. And I have a little scar on my neck here to remind me of his faithfulness and his goodness. And listen, I have determined that this little bend in the road that I currently am walking on is going to be one that is God-glorifying and God-trusting. And I will give him all the glory and all the honor, and I will understand that whatever the enemy has intended for evil, the Lord Jesus Christ will turn around for good. And when God is ready, he will heal me because that is who he is in Jesus' name. Amen. He isn't the one who always creates the bends in the road. We need to understand that. Living in this fallen world does that, and we also have an enemy who wants to see us fall. But this shepherd that we have, he's the one who teaches us how to navigate the bend in the road. And through his leadership, we discover who he is. I'm going to get the team to come. I wish I had more time to tell you so many stories that where I've discovered him on the road and it's like, why is this happening? What's going on here? But in hindsight, oh my gosh, what I know that I would never have known. Like the time that I realized that I was important to him in such a lonely moment where the Holy Spirit told me that he saw me and that I wasn't invisible to him. The moments that he spoke in perfect words of comfort and encouragement. The time that he appeared at my window and invited me to a new season of intimacy. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. For his name's sake. 270 names and many mysteries more. His forgiveness, his care, his authority, his generosity, his wisdom. There's so much to discover. And I think we should honestly live in awe on the road. So many of us, we, we approach life and we have these questions like, well, that wasn't what I was expecting, God. What the heck's going on here? Are we literally heartbroken and we don't understand why things are the way that they are? And it's like, this is not what I asked for. Or people who truly don't even realize how close the shepherd is and their cry is, are you even here on the road? You know, the path that we walk on, it's, it's surprising sometimes. But as we follow him, as we follow him, he will teach us how to navigate 
and he will reveal who he is. And I just wonder if we could just approach this pilgrimage that we're on with a sense of awe and wonder. In, um, in Revelation, in Revelation 4, verse 4 to 11, there's an incredible vision that the Apostle John had. And um, maybe you could just keep it a bit calm. Like, I've still got like five minutes to talk. And... It's all right, though. I'm not boring you, right? Okay. Revelation 4, verse 11, 4 to 11. This is incredible vision that John has on the Isle of Paphos, and he sees heaven. This is what he says. Around the throne were 24 elders wearing white robes and gold victors' crowns on their head. Flashing lights, noises, pearls of thunder came from the throne. Burning in front of the throne were seven flaming torches, which are the seven spirits of God. In front of the throne was something like a sea of glass, as clear as crystal. In the center of the throne and each side of the throne were four living creatures full of eyes, eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an oxen. The third living creature had the face of a human and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Each of the four creatures had six wings and they were full of eyes inside and out. Without stopping, day or night, they were saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is coming. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honour and thanks to the one who sits at the throne, who lives forever and ever, they throw down their victors' crowns in front of the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power because You created all things. They came into existence and were created because of Your will. It's a stunning picture of spiritual beings who are so close to God that they experience His glory in all of His fullness. The word glory means worth, worth. Can you imagine the worth of God? Immeasurable, eternal, can't even grasp His, His glory, His worth. And there's movement in this scene. All are swirling around the throne and these creatures, they have eyes, hundreds of eyes inside and outside. And many of the commentaries and Bible teachers say that these creatures covered with eyes moving around the throne of God see something new of who He is in every single moment that they are in heaven. And all they can do is cry, holy, oh, holy, something new, something I didn't know before. Oh, holy, oh, a new colour, a new view, a new moment, a new revelation, a new moment of this incredible worth, worthful God. 
And these creatures, they are in awe of who God is. And this is my revelation of Psalm 23, verse 3. This is my revelation. Don't despise the journey. Be in awe on the journey. And listen to me. Allow the movement, the walking, the running, the stumbling, and sometimes the falling to reveal more of who He is. Be in awe on the road. Be in awe on the road. And I believe tonight that God really wants to change some attitudes to life tonight. And I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to ask some questions of you tonight. So let me close by asking three questions and giving three pieces of advice really quickly. Question one. What does God want to show you about who He is on your current circumstances? What does God want to show you about who He is right now, where you are on the road in your current circumstances? Because there's something awesome to discover. There's something awesome to discover. Number two. Do you need to stop resenting the path that you're currently on? Stop resenting the path that you're currently on and simply press into Jesus and trust Him because He's with you. Number three, are you confident that you're on the right path heading home to heaven or do you need to repent? which means simply to turn around from your own way and follow His way, follow the shepherd onto the right path so that you can walk home to heaven with Jesus at your side the whole way. Three pieces of advice. Number one, just trust Him. Just trust Him. His ways and His thoughts, they are higher than ours. Nowhere in the Bible does it say to us that we are to trust our feelings. Nowhere. Don't trust your feelings. Trust God. Trust what the Bible says. It is true. It is right. It is holy. It is eternal. It is unchanging. Trust Him. Number two, keep the end in mind. Keep the end in mind. Seriously, a year from now, five years from now, you know, think about that story I shared with you about that proposal gone wrong, but oh so right. Like in hindsight, keep the, keep the end in mind. It's gonna be fine. What hurts like hell now will not hurt like hell forever. And imagine the good that God can do in this circumstance. And number three, choose joy on the road. Be thankful, be worshipful, and decide, decide to just see every turn and bend and downward and upward road as an opportunity to know Him more. And be ready 
be ready to go, oh my gosh, holy, holy, holy. Oh my gosh, I discovered something new. Oh my gosh, he's so good. Oh my gosh, I'm glad I trusted him, amen. I truly believe that some of us, we do need to answer those questions that I asked. And I wonder if, you know, God does want to reveal something to you where you are on the road. And I know that there are people in this place tonight and you're in a good place. And I know that there are some people in this place tonight and you are totally shocked and surprised about where you are right now. But I wanna encourage you to press into God to seek Him, to, to worship Him, to trust Him. And does that help anyone tonight?